So all you need to do is look around at people who already have what you want in any area, whether that's mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, the way that they talk, what they have achieved. If they're on the cover of a magazine, they got a whole bunch of followers online, whatever it is you like about them and ask yourself, how do you think they think? And then compare that to how you think. And all you need to do is write those down and tell yourself, this is the type of person that I need to be. What people need to understand is that in life, you must be it in your mind before you are able to actually have it. Most people try to have it and then they're going to be it. And this is why most people come up short of getting what they want in life, even though they know exactly what it is. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today I bring you Dre Baldwin. I've had tons of amazing guests on this show, well over 100 now, billionaires, astronauts, professional athletes, world-renowned entrepreneurs, and they've shared their insider secrets for success. They've offered everything from top book recommendations to success hacks to action items that you can use today to see results immediately. If you're like me, you love this kind of stuff. And if you're like me, you want to get the cliff notes, or I guess these days they call them the spark notes. Well, you can get access to the action plans from your favorite guests like Spartan Race founder Joe DeSena from episode 27 or Navy SEAL Mark Devine from episode 45 or maybe fitness guru Tony Horton from episode 85 plus other amazing tips and tactics to help you get clear on how to get from where you're at to where you want to be. I put all this in one place because you're busy and you want to get what you need quickly so you can move on with your day. Here's what I want you to do. Go to jimharshawjr.com slash action to get instant access to everything I just talked about. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, there are three dots on your screen. Just touch the three dots, select view full description. There you'll see the link to download all the incredible resources and action plans that I just mentioned. Now for today's guest. As you'll get to hear in this episode, Dre is the real deal. He is the picture of consistency. He is the guy who has shown up and shown up with confidence to create, to manifest, to manufacture the success that he's had. It's an absolutely incredible interview, and I think you're really going to like it because he's super down to earth, and he's real, and you can see all the work that he's done because so much of it is published on the internet. As a matter of fact, he's published more content on the internet than I think any other human being ever, and that's not a lie. I'm pretty sure that's that's a fact. And he tells us about the start of that. And he publishes every single day. It's an amazing story. And a little bit of his background, he's a former nine-year pro basketball player who's traveled to eight different countries in his career after being a walk-on at an NCAA Division three school. So that's a small school. And most of those guys are not going on to professional careers. Dre talks about how he created a professional career out of that. He's now a full-time entrepreneur. He's authored, get this, 27 books and get this as well. He's performed four TEDx talks, four TEDx talks on things like discipline and confidence and mental toughness and personal initiative. He has over 135,000 subscribers on YouTube and his daily work on your game podcast has been downloaded over 3 million times. Let's get to my interview with Dre Baldwin. 
Dre, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here, Jim. I'm really excited to talk to you and your audience to give as much value as possible. Yeah, likewise. Glad, uh, glad we were able to make this happen. So you failed at high school basketball. You tried and failed to make your high school varsity basketball team for three years. You finally made the team as a senior, but you yeah. pretty much sat on the bench for the whole season. How confident did you feel that you were going to be able to even play in college? Man, well, it's funny the way that it happened. So those three years, as you already know, I tried out three years, didn't make it. All we had was a varsity team. We didn't have a JV. We didn't have a freshman team. But I did my junior year after I didn't make it. I played on a local team in my neighborhood, a rec- rec- recreational league. And I did pretty good on that team. So that gave me a little bit of confidence. And then senior year, I did finally make the team. But like you said, I sat at the bench. I was, I'm 6'4", and I don't know if people are going to see this, but if they're listening yeah. to it, you know, I'm not like some big bulky guy. You know, I have a quote-unquote athletic build. I'm 180 pounds, give or take five pounds. And this is the size that I was in high school. So that year, I'm the backup center, not really playing much. But here's the thing that uh, helped me, Jim. In my class, my teammate, this guy named Darian Shavis, he was the best player on the team. He averaged about 25 points a game. He was all city. He had a D1 scholarship. And we were classmates during the day. And we were in a certain program in school that we were basically in the same class damn near the whole day. And he and I weren't, I wouldn't even say that we were friends, but we knew of each other. The school wasn't that big. And we became familiar with each other because we played basketball. And Darian, he's the best player on the team. And he's competitive as an athlete. And I would, like, talk trash to him as if I was better than him. Like, Darren, you can't beat me one-on-one. You're not better than me. And I knew he would feed into it because he knew – I knew that he knew that he was better than me. So if I'm talking trash to him, he's like, okay, well, I'll, I can easily beat you, so let's play. So he and I, before practice every day, because we had practice immediately after school every day, and the coach would usually come in probably about 10 minutes after school ended and blow the whistle to start practice. So for that 10-minute period, as soon as school ended, before the coach started practice, Darian and I would play one-on-one. It's like running game of one-on-one. We didn't even keep score. So over the course of the year, I'll tell everybody, he probably beat me. He surely beat me if we were keeping score. But there were sometimes he would try to do something against me and I would stop him or I'd block his shot. And there were times I would do something against him and it would work and I would score. So this planted a seed in my mind, despite the fact that I'm sitting on a bench all year, that, you know, I'm playing against the best, one of the best players in the city and I'm having some success. That means I can play against anybody. So that was the only little mustard seed of faith that I had that I could become something in basketball after high school. So you forced yourself into a situation where you're going to fail. I mean, you're, you're going to fail against this guy. He's, he's better than you. You know that. All right. Does that also plant a seed of like, this is how success happens? I mean, wh- I mean, a lot of times in the moment, we don't realize that. But looking back on that, I mean, do you, do you see that as a, as a thing that you need to do and that the listeners can think about as well in their own lives in terms of like, okay, how do I get out there and put myself in a really uncomfortable situation against, you know, or amongst people who are of a higher level at whatever it is that I'm doing or want to do, and that's going to help me get better. The thing is, Jim, people, especially people who are at a higher level than wherever you happen to be at the moment, they like easy victories just like anybody else does. So even in my neighborhood, there were players in my neighborhood who were really good in the same age as me, and I would talk trash to them. Like, man, I'm better than you. Like, you're you getting worse. You, had, you averaged 20 last year. This year you're only averaging 18. And I'm on the high school team averaging two. But they would take that <laughs> because they're only thinking about themselves, right? They're like, oh, sure. no, Dre. And they – they would feed into it, and that would get attention on me. Now people are looking at me like, who are you to even talk to this guy? He's the best player <laughs> in the neighborhood. But it kind of legitimized me because people were actually paying attention to me. So any little bit of success I got against that player, 
it built me up because now instead of competing against the other 100 players that are between the bottom where I'm at and the top where they're at, now I kind of put myself up in this top echelon just by the law of association. So absolutely just – I don't even remember what your question was, but putting myself in a position where I am going to get beat by a better player. That's it. That the was the question. Is that, yeah, do, you, do, you, do you seek that out? You seek that adversity out and put yourself in a situation where it's, you're going to get beat or you're going to get better going through it. Exactly. And it was confidence. The main thing for me, Jim, was confidence. It wasn't that I didn't have skill. I was kind of a late bloomer. But once I started believing in myself more, combining that with the skill that was developing in me, that's when things started working. I'm going to challenge you on something. I recorded an episode recently where I talk about cliches. And one of the cliches is you got to believe and you got to believe in yourself. And it's like, it's so cliche. We let it go in one ear, out the other, but we hear all these elite world-class performers say it. You know, we hear coaches say it in post-game interviews and you hear like the best in the world say it, but we just go, ah, they're drinking like beet juice while standing on their head doing hot yoga in a hyperbaric chamber. But you know, they're just saying, believe that's not really the key to success, but it is, but it is. It's like this, we're out there, out there looking for some, some silver bullet, but like belief is like, that's it. Like that's the soil you have to plant your dream in is in belief. So how do you create belief? How do you create confidence? Like, how do you go get it? Cause everybody's sitting here listening. All the audience is listening going, yeah, okay, I have to believe. I heard that 100,000 times before. How do I do it? Like, what do I do? Is it a button I press? Is it a pill that I take? I mean, how do you create belief? Well, I actually uh, did a TED Talk on this exact topic, which is how to become confident when you're not confident. And one of the things that players, basketball players, used to always ask me was, Jerry, well, how do I get the confidence? I understand what it is. is a belief you can do something, but how can you believe you can do it if you've never actually done it? So one of the common cliches like you talk about is called fake it till you make it. You pretend to be something, you eventually become it, and all is well that ends well. The thing is, fake it till you make it is not real. It is an oxymoron, doesn't actually exist. Anyone who is using a concept that way and they think that they're going to fake it and pretend to be something and eventually become it, that is going to fail. The way that that concept actually works is not really fake it till you make it. It's you deciding to become it. And that starts with the way that you think is the way that you see yourself when you look in the mirror. Who do you see? What do you think? What do you believe that you are capable of? What do you believe you can actually do? And what you see in the mirror will determine how much of your skills you are able to unlock. One of the things that I tell people, a metaphor I use for confidence, Jim, is that imagine that you own a 10 bedroom house, or maybe you do. And that 10 bedroom house, your confidence is a master key that unlocks all the doors to your skills. Each door, each room is a skill. When you don't have 100% of your confidence, it's almost like you only have nine of the keys, but you have 10 skills. So this is where the frustration comes in for people is when they know they can do something, but for whatever reason, they're not able to do it. They're not able to unlock an ability that they know they have, especially athletes who have this performance anxiety challenge that I see over and over again. When your confidence is on full 100%, you have a master key that unlocks all the skills that you have. So then you're showing, as we say in sports, showing all of your skills, showing your full game. So the main thing with confidence is who are you going to decide to be every single day? And I think the main thing that helps people unlock that is focus. When you're fully focused on what you need to do, who you are going to be and the way that you're going to approach your work, whether we're talking in sports or in business or just in life every single day, when that focus is right, that's when you can unlock all of your skills. Is it words that you use then? 
I mean, when you're looking in the mirror and when you're focused on certain things, is it the words that I say? Is it the feelings that I conjure up inside of myself saying like, I am like, you're not faking it. You're saying I am, I am that person now, like not in the future. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to fake it today because maybe tomorrow I'll be actually be that person. You're being that person now, right? Yes. And it's not even so much, not for me, words. I think everybody is wired differently. For some people, it can be words. For other people, it can be a a playlist of music. For others, it can be the way you're moving your body. For other people, it can be the 10 minutes it takes you to get from home to the venue or wherever you're going to, wherever you're going, to your office, to your gym, to the stage that you're going to be speaking on. For me, the biggest thing is just the repetition. It's the conditioning. And I, I tell people it's mental conditioning. It's every single day giving yourself, taking 10 minutes out of your day and meditating on who's the type of person that I need to be in my life. Everyone, most people who are listening to this show called Success Through Failure probably have goals. And most of them probably understand that in order to reach your goals, you had to do something. You can't get something for nothing. Most people understand that. But what most people never ask themselves is, what type of person do I need to be in order to do these things to get the result? Because I'm sure, Jim, you've seen, and anyone listening to this has seen, times where you were taking certain actions and you were frustrated because you felt like you were doing everything right, yet you were not getting the result. But then when your energy changed, when your focus changed, when you just changed the way that you were being, you took the exact same actions and you got a different result. So when the focus is there, that's when the actions you take will start producing the results that you want. There's nothing wrong with your plan. It's just something that may need to be fixed in your approach. Yep, love that. That's the story of my life. It was a story of my career as an athlete from doing everything right, except for not having that key to that 10th bedroom and finally figuring out that key my senior year. And it's been the same thing in business for me is finally figuring out that mental piece and, and becoming that person now. And, uh, and, and man, you nailed it. You hit the nail on the head in terms of my life and my experience. And, and Dre, so you played D3 in college. You walk on, yes. you translate that into a professional career. Tell us about that. Yeah. Man, <laughs> where do we begin? So, I mean, going to college, I started a school called Penn State Abington, which is right outside of my hometown of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And it's about 20 minutes, and it's a, 20 minutes from home. It's a commuter campus, meaning there are no dorms, no off-campus housing. You live at home, home. So I'm sleeping in the same bed that I peed in as a kid, as a college <laughs> freshman. And I actually became a starter on that team because it was a small school, not a big basketball factory or anything like that. So I became a starter. Built out some confidence there. Average maybe nine-ish points a game. Didn't set the world on fire, but I did something. And that summer, I was not taking classes that summer, but since the campus was only 20 minutes from home and I had a, you know, a student ID so I could get on campus every day in the summer, I would drive up to the campus just to use the gym facility. And no one would be in there. Nobody was in there lifting weights. None of my teammates ever came to the gym to work on their game. These guys, they could play, but they weren't serious. They had no basketball ambition. And at that time, Penn State Abington, you could only play two years. So a lot of my teammates were second-year players, so their basketball careers were essentially over. They weren't trying to go anywhere. But I knew I wanted to go somewhere after my second year. So I would just come up there every day, work on my game. And one day, randomly, I hadn't eaten breakfast, so I walked across the campus to the cafeteria. This campus has like four buildings. So the second building is the cafe. The other two are for the classes. So I go to the cafeteria. Some random guy approaches me and starts asking me about basketball. Like, what position do you play and things like that. Because I had my basketball gear on, but I didn't have a ball. And I know I didn't know this guy. This is a tiny campus. So I know everybody, especially the black people. So I didn't know this guy. He's black. So he starts talking to me about what's your major and things like that. And I'm still trying to figure out who he is. 
hands me a business card. This guy is a recruiter from another campus. Like he works in the admissions department, but he had two jobs. His other job was he was the head basketball coach at Penn State Altoona, which is a D3 university, which is technically a step up from where I was at the time. So he recruited me right there on the spot to come play for him. When I tell people that story, I say that is the luck that happened through me just showing up every single day to do the work. This guy did not know who I was. I found out later. He said, you just look like the type of player. He said, I knew I needed a wing who was athletic, and you look like you were athletic. So that's the reason I approached you. He didn't even know who I was until after the conversation when he went and did some research. Didn't even know my name. So that's how I got to Altoona. Anyway, to speed up this story, that coach, I played for him my sophomore year. He got fired. He got replaced by a former NBA player by the name of Armin Gilliam. Some of you may know who he is. Uh, he passed away about 10 years ago, but he had played a long time in the NBA. He was the number two pick in the draft in 87. He basically cleaned house. What happens when a new coach comes in college programs, they get rid of a lot of the former players. I got exiled from the program in the process, not because I lacked talent, but because the coach was just looking for fresh blood. So my senior year of college, I was completely healthy, uh, fully academically eligible, didn't even play on a basketball team. And that year, all I did was work on my game. I did win an intramural championship, I should note. Scored about no 40 points a game in intramurals. <laughs> and then <laughs> after my senior year, uh, my first year out of school, I had a degree from Penn State, business degree. I worked two quote-unquote regular jobs. I was an assistant manager at Foot Locker, and I worked at Valley Total Fitness selling memberships, gym memberships. Then the next year after graduating that summer, I went to an exposure camp, which for those who don't know what that is, for in basketball is basically like a job fair. But instead of sitting around and talking to people, you actually bring your sneakers and play basketball. So I played ball. and You're playing it with and against a bunch of other players who all want to get contracts. So it's very meat market-ish because you have – basketball is a team sport, but everyone on your team is trying to show out and look good. It doesn't really work. On a, on a real team, it's not like that. People sacrifice. But at an exposure camp, there's no sacrificing. All right? So you got to kind of be selfish but not look like you're being selfish at the same time. I was able to work that. Played pretty well, had a few highlight reel dunks because athleticism was my thing at that time. Got a great scouting report, got the game footage from that. I sent that footage to a bunch of agents who were not at the exposure camp because another thing about exposure camps is not like there's regular fans there. The people in the stands are agents, coaches, managers, owners from the basketball world. I sent my video out to agents who were not at the camp and one of those agents was interested in me. He signed me to be my representative. And he's the one who helped me get my first contract in Countess, Lithuania. So that was 13 months after graduating from college, I started my career. Wow. 15 months, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I was having a conversation with a, a client yesterday. And this guy has no, zero reason to believe that he could succeed. But he's, he's incredibly successful. I mean... His story, which I really didn't know until we did this conversation yesterday, was just blew me away in terms of the struggle, the challenge, the adversity that he's had in his life was like, nobody should have to deal with what he has dealt with. But he's created incredible success in his life and he's just getting started. It's fascinating to watch this. But he talked about, you know, the desire to be around people who are doing what he wants to do. And that's, that's helped him throughout his life. And, and he's really really seeking that now because he, he mentioned that when you see and are around and can tangibly touch and meet people who are doing what you want to do, it almost gives you permission or they've done what you want to do. It almost gives you permission and go, oh, okay. So I actually can go from here to there because, and that is possible because you're doing it and you've done it. 
Was there anybody in your life who helped you? I mean, what gave you permission to think beyond what really logically should have been possible for you, Dre? What helped you think beyond that? Because there's a lot of kids who were in your shoes, who were not starters on their high school team, went to small colleges, you know, ended their career after two years, maybe never started, maybe just didn't play, maybe quit. What gave you permission to think bigger and go bigger with your life? Man, well, are we talking basketball here or off the court? Well, let's go. I mean, both, because like, we haven't even talked about your business career yet and your, your career after basketball, because, which is amazing in its own right. But either way, I mean, what gives you permission to think that? Because there's a lot of people out there who don't think that way. They think, well, these are all reasons why I shouldn't be successful or can't be successful. Well, one thing is that, uh, number one, the story I already told you, my high school teammate who was the best player, one of the best players in the city, playing against him and him you know, actually recognizing me when he knew my trash talk was nothing. And that kind of legitimized it and then actually doing something against him. Another thing that happened is – in Philadelphia, where I'm from, there's a legendary summer league, amateur league called the Sunny Hill League. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but the Sunny Hill League is the best league for young players. So we're talking Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, Tim Thomas, DeWan Wagner, every young basket, Jameer Nelson, every player from the Philly area, Rip Hamilton, they've all played in this league. And I played on a team in that league after my senior year. And these are all the best players in the city. So my teammate, Darian, you know how you go in a newspaper. This is back in the days of the newspaper, everyone. You had the all-city team where you had the two teams. It'd be like 25 players. I walk in the gym, and I knew who every guy was. These guys are all the all-city players. It was like an open tryout for this team, Sunny Hill League. And I went to it. I was like the only nobody who showed up to this tryout. So it wasn't kind of a tryout. It was nobody else showed up. But they kept me around. They didn't cut me. And I sat on the bench, but I was in the practices, and I would actually do good stuff against these guys. I don't know, Jim, if you remember Eddie Griffin, who was uh, one of the top picks in the, I think, 2001 NBA draft. He was number one ranked player in the nation, 2000, same class as me. He was on that team, and this guy was just unstoppable. And the whole team was these guys that were so good, and I felt legit because they were taking me seriously. None of them ever bothered to learn my name, but <laughs> they were taking me seriously there. After that, after high school, when it came to basketball, it was just my belief, really. It was just my belief that I wanted to do something other than what I saw people doing. As far as you know, going pro and then becoming an entrepreneur is that growing up, all I saw around me were people who were employees. They all had you know, nine to five jobs. And it, there's nothing wrong with having nine to five jobs. And my parents you know, took care of my sister and I through their nine to fives. And I learned my discipline from that. But at the same time, none of them ever seemed excited about going to work. So because of that, I'm like, all right, I don't want to do this. I got to graduate from college just so I can do this for the next 40 years. I don't want to do this. They, they're never happy. They always say, I have to go to work. They didn't say, I get to go to work. Or, yeah, I, get, I got work tomorrow. No, it was, I got work tomorrow. No, I can't do that. I got work tomorrow. No. And at the same time, nobody ever had any extra money. So I'm like, okay, so what's the point of this? Nobody has any extra money. Nobody's excited about it. You're talking about it as if it's a, a necessary evil of life. This is what I'm supposed to, I'm growing up just to do that. I didn't want to do that. So I was always looking for another way. So basketball was kind of like the pit stop. But at that point, I already knew my future was going to be entrepreneurship simply because you, know, you can't play sports forever. So at some point, basketball will be over. I still have at least half my life to live. So I know I'm going a little bit off the topic. But when it comes to business, for example, uh, legitimizing myself, I think is like your client said, there's a lot of association that when you get around people who are on that wavelength of they're taken seriously, 
and they conduct themselves a certain way and then they look at you and they accept you as somebody serious. Now that a little bit of that pixie dust rubs off on you. And now you can believe in yourself at the same level. So I think just getting around those people and soaking in that energy and accepting yourself the way that other people are accepting you, that can play a huge role in people's minds, but their mind has to be open enough to notice that and allow it. Because like you said, some people just don't, they won't allow themselves to believe. They have mental blocks that won't allow them to believe, but that's where they come across people like yourself who can help them with that. Dre, you've mentioned showing up twice now, just showing up. I showed up. And, and I mean, you've published over a thousand podcast episodes, written a couple of dozen books, done what, four TEDx talks. You just keep moving forward. Is, is that part of your success? Oh, absolutely. Showing up. That's, that's the, if I had to pick one thing, that'd be the whole game right there. If I had to pick one element, it'd be just showing up. Absolutely. And that's, whether that's creating content online, whether it was in basketball when I kept not making the team, because in high school, you don't make the team your first two years. Most players say, all right, I'm not going to be a basketball player. And they go do something else with their lives, but continuing to show up in college. After my freshman year at this no-name school where nobody did anything in basketball, I was the only one showing up, working on my game in the summer, just for me. There was no Instagram, no YouTube back then, so there was nobody to show off for. That was just for me. And then after that, that year, that gap year after graduating college, most players from a D3 who didn't play their senior year, didn't have great stats. What you played, I played you no know, backup power forward before I was off the team. I'm 6'4". What am I going to do? What idea do I even have to play pro? I just kept showing up. I saved up my money, went to that exposure camp. I had to pay money for that. I had to drive from Philadelphia to Orlando overnight to go to that exposure camp. That's a 19-hour drive. So just continuing to show up and put myself in position to where I could get lucky. And now that doesn't discredit the fact that I had some skill, that I've been working on my game. I was showing up for that as well. But just the skill of showing up, I mean, it is everything. When you have some actual ability, then you show up to get ability, but then you show up to show your game. And a lot of people just don't want to show up. And that can separate anyone who's listening to us right now from the masses of people that you may see as competition, just being in the room is the key thing in so many areas of life. Mm -hmm. It's something we've seen from you over the years. It's quite possible that you've published more content on the internet (laughs) than any other individual. You published your first YouTube video back in 2005, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, so I tell you, go back in the story, that exposure camp that I went to, they, when you go to an exposure camp nowadays, they have the videos like part of the fee. So you, these camps are not free, just in case anybody didn't know. You might pay $300, $500 just for the right to go to the event and get seen and all of that. So back then I paid 250 for the exposure camp. And back then you, the video was extra. So I paid an extra $20 to get footage of my, the games that I participated in. It was two games each day. It was a two day camp. So I had four games on video. Now that video I told you I played well with that camp. I had a good scouting report. That video was on this thing called a VHS tape. Jim, you remember those the VHS oh, yeah. tapes? Heck yeah. I got a lot All of wrestling right. matches on VHS tapes. <laughs> All right, perfect. All right. Some, of, some of the younger audience might not know what that right. is, but Google it. Those of y'all don't know. So I had this VHS tape. I took it to an audio visual store because I knew I might break the tape. It might get wet. I might lose it. I put it on a digital CD, and then I put that data CD into the HP desktop computer at my parents' house, and I uploaded it to this brand new website that I had just heard of that allowed you to put 
video on there for free as much as you want. And it was called youtube.com. So that's how it started. And that was just a little two minute highlight video from that exposure camp that I had amateurly put together. And what happened was a couple months later, I went back to YouTube because YouTube was nothing at that time. Nobody, it was cat videos and no babies biting fingers. <laughs> right. So I went back a couple months later and I had a notification. There were comments on my video. Somebody had watched it and said something. Now, you have to remember, I hadn't even played pro ball yet. I hadn't even signed a contract yet. I played it at D3. Nobody knew my name. Nobody was going on Google and looking up Dre Baldwin. I was a nobody. But people had watched that video, and they were asking questions like, hey, who taught you how to play? How high can you jump? What's your vertical? Can you do videos on crossovers? How often do you practice? Can you make some more videos and things like that? So what I realized was those people weren't looking for me. They were just looking for help on how to practice basketball. So I said, oh. I go to the gym every day and I have this little cheap hundred dollar camera. Why not just bring this with me to the gym every day? This is before we had cameras on the phones every month. So I mean, just bring this camera with me every day. I'll just set it up. I'll just put it on the bench. I didn't even have a tripod, Jim. So let me just put it on the bench near my gym bag and just point it towards the court. <laughs> and then I'll just work out. And after that, I'll grab whatever looks impressive and I'll put it on YouTube. That's how my brand began online. And it was not until 2009 when uh, Google purchased YouTube and they start running ads on the videos. So for those who believe it or not, there was a time you could watch YouTube all day and not see one advertisement. It was a long time ago, but it was true. I it remember then, those days. Yeah, you remember. So it was then that when YouTube said, oh, you could actually make some revenue from posting videos on the internet. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll take some of that revenue. So what I decided, I needed some way to stand out. And back then, Jim, you had to actually apply to get approved for them to put ads on your videos. Now, today is kind of like the opposite. You got to ask them to stop running ads. But back then you had to apply to get them to run ads. And the first time I applied, they rejected me. So I guess I figured I wasn't you know, uh, good enough. So I said, all right, I need something that I can say because in the application there's a little box that says, you want any comments, anything you want us to know. So I said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put out a video every day. I go to the gym every day. Why not just come up with a new idea of something I could show people on a basketball court every day. I had no idea if I would even last a month, let alone you know, five, six, seven, ten 10 years. But I just kept going. I would come up with an idea every day. I would just have to come up with something different that I could post on YouTube. And now, you know, to date, we got over 7,000 videos on YouTube. Not all basketball anymore, but that's how it began was just, I just got this idea. How can I stand out and separate myself from anyone else who's competing against me to get ads on their videos? <laughs> and it was, I do it every day. That's how it began. So for the listener who is listening to you, Dre, and saying, man, this guy, he's got a fire in him. He shows up and he just keeps moving forward. I mean, he's published every day. He keeps showing up and he keeps moving forward. He keeps doing hard things and good things are happening for him. But the listener who is stuck, they're stuck wherever they're at, right? Maybe it's in their job. Maybe it's in their health and fitness and they're kind of stuck in a rut or maybe it's a relationship. For the person who's stuck, and they're showing up, you know, they're going to work every day. Maybe they're punching the clock or whatever, but they have bigger goals, bigger dreams, bigger wishes, and they've backburnered those because they don't have the confidence that we talked about. They don't believe that that's going to happen for them. They've done a lot of the showing up and it didn't really come to fruition like they thought it would. I mean, what do you say to that person who is trying to get unstuck, trying to maximize their potential, trying to level up in their life, and they just, they don't know what's the next step for me to take? First thing I would tell them is in life, especially in the world that we're in now, and especially if they're trying to do something online and where, which most people are, 
you have to cut through the fat. And the key skill that you're going to need to cut through the, through the fat is you got to be able to start fires. And what I mean by start a fire is you have to be the type of person who delivers and brings the energy to a situation where no energy exists yet. So what I would tell someone if they are, let's say, for example, they want to be a YouTuber, but they put some videos up and they didn't get any views on their videos. I would tell them, put videos up for a year. Whatever you want to talk about, put a video up every day for a year and come back to me in 365 days and let's talk about where you're at. Now, because in a year, first of all, you're going to find your voice. You're going to figure out what you actually like talking about. One of those videos is going to get some views. Even if all of them get 10, one of them is going to get 300 or 500. That's going to let you know, okay, maybe you need to talk about something like that. Maybe you need to have that energy or edit it the way you edited that one or look at the title. There's something that you did in that one that caught people's attention. Maybe it was a current event. Who knows? Whatever it was, something's going to happen in that year that's going to give you an idea of where you can go moving forward. So doing it, getting started, doing it every day, being consistent, and you just have to stick to a process. And the reason why I would tell people do it every day for a year is because it gives people a process to follow. So you're not worrying about all right, how many views did this one get? How many likes and comments did this? How much engagement did this one get? You're just saying, I'm going to do a video every day for a year. That's all you're committing to. You don't have to worry about anything in the process. It's kind of like building a building. You know, it's something that I tell people here in Miami, there's construction going on everywhere. So I'll take a little snap Instagram story post of a, video, a building being built. And every day, I'll say one day at a time. It's the same building every day. So day by day, it looks exactly the same. But there's a plan in place. And those workers show up every single day and they just do their job. They just lay that brick, lay that mortar. Every day, they're just doing their job. And over the course of a year or two years, it becomes a finished product. Now people are living there and working there and nobody even knows about the story of that building being built except the people who are in the trenches doing it. So it's just committing yourself to the process of doing something for long enough to actually get some real results and then knowing what you're looking for. Because listen, you might do a year of YouTube videos and realize, you know what? I'm not a YouTuber. <laughs> Maybe I should be writing articles. Maybe I should be doing something offline. But in a year, you're going to learn some things about yourself that you won't learn if you only put out 10 videos sporadically over the course of three months and then wonder why nothing's happening. So you got to be able to start a fire. There's a great quote by LinkedIn's founder, Reed Hoffman. He said, if you're not embarrassed by your first iteration, you've launched too late. So if you're going down that path of, you know, using the YouTuber example, like, yeah, your, your first video is going to suck and your 365th one is going to be a lot better. And you're going to go through iterations. You're going to learn. You're going to develop new skills. You're going to get more comfortable in front of the camera. You're going to learn. You're going to learn how to do things more efficiently, more effectively. And you're going to succeed through these failures. And Dre, you've created a, an incredible amount of success in your own life. You know, it's easy for us from the outside looking in to look at you and say, man, you know, things were just easier for him. Yeah, he showed up, but yeah, things were easier for him. Maybe he got lucky and but me, but me, on the other hand, I've failed. Can you tell us about a time when you failed and maybe you felt that hopelessness, that self-doubt that comes from failure and how you move through that? Man, if I only pick one, I would talk about uh, when I was playing a professional basketball, that's what I want people to understand because sometimes, as, especially as an entrepreneur, when I tell people that I was a professional athlete for nine years, they're looking at me like, okay, well, you already had that success as an athlete. So what happens for you as an entrepreneur? Maybe it doesn't matter, or maybe you got an easy foot in the door because you're a former athlete. The thing is, my professional basketball career was just as bumpy as my amateur basketball career, meaning 
even once that first agent got me a deal, that didn't mean for the next nine years I was just signed straight. I didn't have a nine-year guaranteed contract. It didn't work like that. And overseas ball, for those who don't know, those contracts are usually year by year at best and usually day by day, meaning you can get released from your contract for one bad game. So I wasn't consistently employed every year throughout my career. As a matter of fact, my agent, he actually was a lawyer before he got into the basketball agency world, and he thought the overseas basketball world was so dirty that he quit being an agent in the middle of my first season. He said, Jerry, I'm not going to be an agent anymore, so you're going to have to find yourself a new one when this is over because he just didn't like the industry. So I spent – there were many times I would have a contract, then not have one, be employed, then not be employed. So it was probably around – 2008 through 2010, around that time period when I really started focusing on building my brand and business because I found myself unemployed again. I was in my mid-20s and I said, I need some control over my destiny. So that failure of things not working, I'm telling people I'm a pro basketball player, but every time they see me, I'm in this empty gym practicing by myself in Miami. So that's not overseas, that's Miami. So what are you doing? So that's when I started creating programs for basketball players and those programs, when I created a program from scratch, and I had been reading Tim Ferriss at the time, and he had, I think on one of his blog posts, might have been in one of his books, he just gave this little rough outline of how you can test the product online. And I tested that product out. I said it would be a $4.99 program on how to dribble a basketball. And I got some people who were interested in that. And that's when I went and created that program. And I put it for sale. I made a little video telling people, here's where you can buy it. And I remember this is at the time of iPhones had come out, but BlackBerry was still more popular. Did you ever have a BlackBerry? Jim? I did. I had a BlackBerry first before I got me an iPhone. Yeah, the BlackBerry. I thought that was the greatest thing in the world before the iPhone. Sure. So the BlackBerry at the time, when you got an email or a text, there was this little red light that would start blinking. You remember that? Yeah, of course. So the day that I You're taking me back to the good old days, Dre. Yeah, exactly. Good old days, ten years ago. Right. right. So, I know it changes so, so fast. Right. So I put the program out. And I made the video on YouTube to announce to my, my small audience that I had this program for dribbling. And I remember I would keep looking at my BlackBerry because I'm looking to see if any emails had come through. So that light was blinking. I got an email and it said, hey, you got a new sale. Somebody bought your program. Now, this is before you even had auto delivery. So that meant, well, I didn't have auto delivery. It existed. I didn't know about it. Which meant if somebody bought my program, I needed to get on my computer, open my email and manually email them an attachment PDF document of the program that they had just bought. And I did that for about a week before I realized that there's a such thing as auto delivery. And then I you know, went and found some more automations and things. But the fact that my- but you figured it out by doing. Exactly. I started it and started selling programs. And that's when I said to myself, well, oh, this is what I actually need to be doing. I'm gonna keep playing ball. But when ball is over, this is where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be creating products. I created that out of absolutely nothing. At the time I was an unemployed player, and I created this just out of an idea in my head. It was a, a PDF document off of stuff that I already knew. And I was able to put that out to people and influence them to go and purchase it. And I made money, $4.99. I said, I just created that out of nothing. That is what I need to be doing, even while I'm still playing ball. I still kept playing for another five years. But that's where I knew I was going. And that all came from, that seed was only planted because I was not gainfully employed overseas. Had I had a career that every year I had a new contract playing overseas, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now because I would not have started building my brand. I would have not created a business, at least not then. It would have been at the end of my career and I would have been like, all right, what the hell do I do now? But because things weren't working, that's when I started focusing on building other things. 
I challenge the listener to think about your own life right now. What is happening in your life that you didn't wish for? What is not happening that you are wishing for? And I challenge you to, to find a way to think about that, that maybe, just maybe, this is the greatest opportunity you could have ever had. I mean, you have to suspend belief for just a moment to allow yourself to dream about that, to think about that, to see the opportunity that's in front of you. It looks, looks like an obstacle right now but see it as an opportunity and you'll find the opportunity in there. Just like Dre did, man. What a great story. Dre, any, any habits or routines that you do on a, on a regular basis, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, anything that you do that, that you feel has uh, helped you be successful? Man, is that a trick question, Jim? My whole <laughs> life is habits and routines. <laughs> what are the most important I, ones to you? Most important habits and routines that every day I take at least 10 minutes. I put the Calm app, which is like a meditation app on my phone. I put that on and I, I do not sit cross-legged, you know, Indian style with my eyes closed because I will fall asleep. And, you know, my hips don't kind of move that way. So I probably can't even sit in that position. But what I do is I keep a document file in Evernote where I just look through uh, images of things that I want. It might be a nice house. It might be a car. It might be a picture of something that I already did. that reminds me of uh, positive vibes and positive feelings. I have a list of goals that I want to achieve for the next month, for the year for the next five years and for my entire life. And I review those periodically. I keep a list of what we talked about earlier. Who do I need to be as a person? I went and wrote that out. What type of person do I need to be? And I'm not talking about go to the gym every day. I'm talking about how do I need to carry myself? What kind of energy do I need to have? How do I want other people to feel when I walk into a room? How do I want to communicate to people? I write all those things down. And every day I take at least 10 minutes and I look through those documents. I don't look at everything every day because it's too much stuff. But I pick and choose and go through that every single day. That is what I call the mental conditioning. So the same way the athletes have to get conditioned so they don't you know, fall, their lungs don't come out of their bodies during the game, you condition yourself mentally so that when you face setbacks and challenges in life, you don't dwell on them. You can deal with them. You recognize them. But then you can get right back on a horse and do your thing. Yeah, and I, I would say that that's also another way to go back to our beginning of our conversation, how to be that person now. Like you see those exactly. images and, and those things and it makes you feel like, yeah, that's me now and I have those things. So Dre, how about an action item? Maybe two. Something that for the listener who's sitting there saying, I'm in, I get it, I buy in. What do they do after this podcast is over and they share it on social media and they tweet it out to all their friends and they tell everybody how great this episode was, what do you suggest the listener do? An action item, something they can do in the next 24 to 48 hours to really start moving towards their goals. I'll give them something they can do in the next 10 minutes. Would that be even better? Better. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Here's what you do. Everyone's listening to this. You probably have goals, things you wish to achieve in life. If you don't have them written down, go ahead and write them down. But I'm sure Many of you have them written down. You got them written, stated in the present, in a positive tense. I get it. Maybe you have, even have a vision board. Now, the next thing you need to do, those are things you want to have in life, the results. Next thing you need to do is ask yourself, what do I need to do? And what am I willing to do in order to achieve those outcomes? So you need to look at, if you say you want to be a billionaire, all right, what actions are, is it going to take to get there? You might not know, but in your, using your best judgment and logic, what actions will I need to take in order to get there? And then you need to ask yourself, look at your list of actions, what I need to do, and ask yourself, do you reasonably believe that these actions can create this outcome? So don't say you want to have a 10-bedroom house and be a billionaire, but you only want to work four hours a week, okay? So you're going to have to put the time in. Make sure that it is reasonably, again, by your own best judgment, you're smart, 
those, do these actions match up to these results? And then here's the third question. This is the question that most people never ask themselves that we talked about already. Who do I need to be? And you need to write this down. What type of person do I need to be? And if you're stuck and you're not, not quite sure where to begin with that, what type of person do I need to be? Here's all you need to do. Ask yourself, who's a person that already exists that already has these things that I want to have? Who has a 10-bedroom house? Who has a, a Bentley? Who has a, a big business that's working? Who has the big muscles and the six-pack abs? Who has already had five kids, but their body looks like they never had a kid in their life, never ate a candy bar? Who already has the things that I want? And then ask yourself, how would they conduct themselves versus how I'm conducting myself? How would a person who's already worth a billion dollars, how would he be sitting in his chair right now compared to how I'm sitting in my chair right now, knowing that he already has a success? How would this woman who knows she's drop dead gorgeous, how would she walk into a room? What's her confidence like versus my confidence when I walk into a room? How does uh, Tony Robbins introduce himself to somebody who doesn't know who he is versus how I introduce myself to somebody who doesn't know who I am? Because he already has a success, so he doesn't need to prove anything. He's not belittling himself mentally. And how, what am I doing to myself? So all you need to do is look around at people who already have what you want in any area, whether that's mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, the way that they talk, what they have achieved. If they're on the cover of a magazine, they got a whole bunch of followers online, whatever it is you like about them, and ask yourself, how do you think they think? And then compare that to how you think. And all you need to do is write those down and tell yourself, this is the type of person that I need to be. What people need to understand is that in life, you must be it in your mind before you are able to actually have it. Most people try to have it and then they're going to be it. And this is why most people come up short of getting what they want in life, even though they know exactly what it is. Just drop the mic, walk away. This podcast is over, Dre. You said it. For the listener who's like, I want more of Dre, how do they find you? How do they follow you? How do they get your books? How do they, you know, website, social media, et cetera. All right, well, I'm on all the social media platforms. The only thing I don't do is TikTok, but I'm on every other social media platform. Uh, probably Instagram is the most popular right now, at Dre Baldwin. Of course, I make videos on YouTube every day, so just look me up, Dre Baldwin, on YouTube. I do have a book that people can get for free if they just cover shipping. Can I share that, Joe? Please. All right, so that book is called The Mirror of Motivation. The subtitle is The Self-Guide to Self-Discipline. So the whole work on your game philosophy is four principal tenets, discipline, confidence, mental toughness, personal initiative. Discipline is the first one. And we've already talked about many times already here about the being part. So that book, The Mirror of Motivation, is all about the being. So everybody knows what they want to have. You know what you need to do. Who do you need to be as a person? And that book is not a hype up. It is not me telling you what you need to do. It is me showing you, giving you a framework for what you can do for yourself. That's why it's called The Mirror of Motivation. So you can get that book for free. The book is already paid for. All you do is cover a small shipping charge. You get that at mirrorofmotivation.com take out the word the mirrorofmotivation.com excellent listeners i i absolutely encourage you to go over there check out the book follow him on social media and uh of course i'll have all this in the action plan as always jimharshawjr.com slash action and you can download the action plan from this episode with dre baldwin dre amazing stuff man thank you so much for making time to come on the show Man, it's a great conversation, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. Hope we gave value to your audience. Absolutely, you did. So thank you for that. For the listener, as always, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. <laughs>